Hi, my name is Bill Cumby. I'm a, a teacher at First Church Ministries, and uh, we're studying the book of Ephesians. I'm actually uh, going to finish it, uh, not this lesson, but the next one. We're in chapter 6. Um, I, I did want to, I've just been, sometimes it's helpful to have a, a greater context on where we're going and, and what's, what is the Bible. In fact, I was talking to someone who said, you know, I just, I just don't know. I, I only read the Bible once. I couldn't really understand it, is what she said. And, and um, you know, what's in there and why is it in there and where is it in there? Um, so I, I just want to share, uh, you know, the Old Testament is about uh, three quarters of the Bible. The New Testament is about one quarter. And they, they have the same sections. They have the history section, the wisdom or teaching section, and the prophetic section. But in the Old Testament, um, which again is three times as long as the New Testament, it's almost all history and all prophets. Um, there's a, a slice of wisdom books in there, uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes, um, but they're 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 more almost um, um, more like an encyclopedic or dictionary type thing than a than than uh, um, uh, what the New Testament has in teaching. And and the reason so what happened between the Old Testament and the New Testament to make the New Testament so much different? So the New Testament it has history, it has gospels. Uh, it has uh, in Acts, and then it has the prophetical book, uh, Revelation and Jude and Second Peter, you might say, and there's some other prophecy in there. But those are those are major. But it's mostly teaching. Um, and and what happened there? Well, obviously Christ happened, and 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 the gospel spread. And so so, um, but there was something. There's something more than that there. And and the more is the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Old Testament believers, no one is saved except through the Holy Spirit. God must, uses the Holy Spirit to lead us uh, to him. And the Holy Spirit has dwelt with Old Testament believers, but he never continually dwelt with them. And so in the New Testament, you see um, Jesus make the statement about John the Baptist that no one uh, till John has come is greater than John the Baptist um, that has been in history, and yet he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. And that's because... John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets in the New Testament, but still the last of the Old Testament prophets. And, and he had the Holy Spirit, but even then, the Holy Spirit had not been given to dwell in them continuously. Christ's resurrection did that. So the reason I'm saying that is because these, these instructional books make no sense unless we understand that the Holy Spirit has to explain it to us and the Holy Spirit has to empower us to do the work. So if you, if you look at this stuff, like you look at the wisdom books in the Old Testament, like Proverbs and stuff like that, we were talking a little before I started about, about let's say, the proverb, uh, raise up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from when he's old. That's not, that's not a teaching that's, an, that's, that's a promise. It, it, it's the promise of um, if you instruct your child well, then he will, there is, he will, um, he will be exposed to a truth that he might not be exposed to otherwise, and chances are, and I hate to say the word chance, but, uh, but, but that he will come to know the Lord. But it is his decision. One of the things we find out as we become believers and kids grow up and stuff like that is they are their own person. And so just because you raised them right does not mean they're going to become believers because they have a choice to make. We don't, we don't, we don't, uh, you're not born a Christian. You become a Christian by accepting Christ, and everyone has to step through that door individually. So, 
So, but the new, so, so the new testament. Um, so you get that in the Old Testament, you get the bits of wisdom and stuff. But the New Testament, what you realize is that we're supposed to live a different life, a life filled with the Spirit, a life in communion with God, a life that's that's different. And so the teaching of the uh, in the New Testament, particularly Paul's teaching, tends to fall in an instruction about what is happening in, in the greater context. And in this case, in Ephesians, the context is that. God really loved us and really cared for us and sent Christ. And in all things, Christ will be the head of all things. That's the, that's the purpose of Ephesians in the, in the church. And then it talks about what it is to be the church. Um, you know, and, and he prays for them. And then he says, now this is how you should live. And in light of all this, this is how you should live. And it's a walk by the Spirit. So, so as I go into this, I want, I want to give you that context. And there's going to be a little bit more context on this too. Um, uh, so, we are going in chapter six today, okay? And I'm starting, I'm t- sort of taking a run to start here with chapter five, then to chapter five, because after we talked, after I, I taught this section uh, and, and the next section on husbands and wives, uh, Jose and I were talking and Jose was saying, well, what about 21? I mean, 21 in my, you know, and he's been looking and in in studying it. He saw that that was in some in some translations was lumped with the next section on husbands and wives and 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 you know I have to say um, uh, the divisions in the Bible like this you know where it talks about how we should walk this section and how you should walk in the Lord this this section really does belong in the next section so so I'm going to start out here and I'm going to tell you why I belong, think this belongs in the next section and then we're going to uh, go over um, because it plays into what we're going to talk about today. So it says, look carefully how you walk. There's a walk we have, not as wise, unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So there is this imperative here that we live in a time-space matrix and that, there, and that, that, that what we have now will never happen again. So, so no one can understand eternity. I have become convinced that no one, no one can understand eternity. But I'm not real sure we can understand time either, time-space. So... That one of the the blessings uh, of this creation is we live in time, and it will never happen again. So I, I'm a type of person who lives in the future. I'm always thinking about the, the future. Some people live in the present moment, which I think is better. Although God creates us as we are. I mean, in that sense, I mean, I I couldn't live in the present if if I just couldn't do it. I need to do it more, but but I'm a future type. I'm always a thinker, planner, trying to get out there. That's what I, I like to do it, and that's how God's made me. But but um, what I'm saying is, the moment you have now will never happen again. It is there, and and the gift of God is time. And many times we kill time or waste time, and because we're uncomfortable and we're waiting for something else and and stuff like that. But here he's saying, be careful how you walk for how you live your life, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time. So I'm not, I don't think what he's saying, I don't think what he's saying here is work your butt off all the time. That's not what he's saying here, okay? But he's saying, live a considered life. And what you do, if you're out taking a walk, enjoy it. Enjoy the moment that you're working. If you're planning for the future, enjoy that time that you're planning for the future. But don't do, don't, don't let the time pass you by. Uh, because the days are evil, okay? This is a fallen world, and there is a time for redemption, and, and time marches on, and so what happens 
in this world makes a difference. There's a very easy drift we can get into when we start thinking about or God has predestined us to salvation, and yet, uh, but on the other hand, it teaches us we have free choice. And the, the truth is, is we don't understand how those two can work. We, we believe them. Scripture teaches it, just as it, uh, Scripture teaches that um, uh, that Jesus was fully God and fully man. How can how can in that the Trinity is is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? We can't fully understand that. And the reason I think we can't understand parts of it, like predestination, and uh, is that because is because it's an eternal concept. It happens in eternity, and we don't even the word happens in eternity gives gives a trace to the fact that we live in space time because it doesn't happen it is it was eternal it didn't happen so 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 but we can't express it any other way and so he's saying here there's what you do matters in this life what you do matters and then he says so don't be foolish but understand what the will of the lord is don't get drunk with wine but be filled with the spirit Addressing one another. So, so he's talking about how we should live, what the difference should be. We should be filled with the Spirit. That's why I say the New Testament is different. The New Testament is helping us understand the Spirit that lives within us gives us a different power than the Old Testament believers had, a great power and a great comfort. The Holy Spirit, the, the, the proper name for the Holy Spirit is, is paraclete, comforter. I will send you a comforter. And, and so... Um, and he says, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music. He wants us to live with a God-centered mindset in, 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 in there. And so he says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where that section ends, okay? So, so I, I'm not going to go into it. We talked about it earlier. Um, but then it goes into submitting one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, so so... So the next section is about husbands and wives, and that is indeed a different section, but this, this is the section starting on submission, okay? Now, think about this. So it starts out with submit, submitting to one another, okay? The fact is, and, and I want you to think about submission for a moment. Submission, lack of submission, is rebellion, okay? That's, if, you don't, if you're not submitting, you're in rebellion against the authority that since you're supposed to be submitted to. And that is the root of the fall. The root of the fall was Adam and Eve not submitting to God, not submitting to his requirements. And so, so submission is always going to be an area of struggle, and it's always going to be an area that, um, that causes people to use it. The devil exploits that. He exploited it at the fall. He exploited Did God really say, no, then you'll be, if you eat that fruit, you'll be like him. So you don't have to submit. You be like him. He just doesn't want you to be equal with him. Now, this is the point. Is, is submission is always going to be hard. Anybody you submit to is going to be hard because submission involves you doing another person's will. And by very nature, your will is what governs. I mean, you do what you will do. You, 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 the, you know, there's an expression, the heart, the heart wants what it wants. The will does what it will, okay? It, you know, it is who we are. And therefore, when we have to submit to someone else, it's difficult, okay? Um, that's, that's the interesting thing about the gospel, because Christ had to submit. The Son had to submit. There was a time when the will of the Son was different from the will of the Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, 
not my will be done, but your will be done, indicating there was that 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 he said, Father, let this cup pass away, yet not my will, but your will be done. And so um, the Father and Son are equal. We have held that, if, 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 that's just basic 101 orthodoxy Christianity, and we, if we had time, I, we can demonstrate that. that there is equality in the Father and Son, and yet the Son submitted. So submission does not imply inequality. In fact, it was modeled by equals to show us that it didn't involve inequality. And in the Garden of uh, Garden of uh, Eden, Adam and Eve were equal. Okay, and during the fall, submission got twisted. Eve was still the helpmate of Adam. She was still in submission to Adam before the fall, but but after the fall, it says, "Your desire shall be for your husband, and he will rule over you." And so, <coughs> the willing submission, the willing submission of the son to the father, the willing submission that should have happened in a wife and a husband. The will and submission of a, of someone who's in an organization to the boss, you know, um, uh, the will and uh, submission of someone who's governing, who's being governed to the go- the ones governing, all that gets twisted in the fall, and there, and the excuse comes, I have a right, I have a right to do this. So, 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 um, so the first thing that he he starts with is you're supposed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words. We need, and then he, he talks about submission in, in his particulars. But he wants to start out in the thing that, that we submit like Christ submitted, and we submit as Christ submitted. And so um, Christ could have said, this is unfair. It's wrong for me to die. I don't have to die. Yeah. And, and yet he said, your will be done. Your will be done on this. So, so taking that... We can go into the uh, husband and wife where it talks about submission here. And, and, and again, I, we had that last time. I'm not going to go over all this again, except to say it's very difficult. And to say that, that uh, and, and again, the word submit here is not in verse 20, uh, 22. I put it in brackets because the translations all have it because it says wives as to your own, uh, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord, and the reference submission is in the prior verse. That's why I say it really belongs down here, because now this starts the second section on submission. Submission is hard. It's difficult. Um, it's more difficult to love. Okay, I will say that. People know that's not true. It's more difficult to love. Okay, submitting is hard. Don't get me wrong. Christ uh, bled blood. I mean, when he sweated blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, it said. Um, and and, uh, and submission was not an easy thing. But it's what we're called to, but love is an even higher thing because love is what called, caused Jesus to submit and to sacrifice. And we're called to do, husbands are called to do that. So we're, we as husband, me as a husband, is, is called to love my wife. And so we, talk, we talked about this um, last week and uh, and... Uh, or a couple weeks ago, actually, because I was uh, last week. I work was so st- so <laughs> so stressful that I didn't get a chance. <laughs> so anyway, so <laughs> um, as we did this, it was um, it, we did this. Now I I went home after teaching this section and promptly had an argument with my wife. I thought I thought you know, sheesh, you know, we actually do pretty good. You know, married uh, thirty years, thirty three, um, but who's counting exactly? Um, and and uh, we have maybe a really big argument on average about once a year. So 
So I think we know pretty good. So I go home and have a really big argument with my wife. So it actually involved my younger uh, son. Uh, and so um, it, 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 but I thought, oh, great. Here I teach on uh, husbands and wives, and this is what happened. So this, this is, so you can know what the truth is, and it won't set you free unless you do what the truth says, okay? And so actually, um, I, maybe God put it in there for this reason. This is really about my son, not about my wife, although she was really mad too. Um, but it was my, so, so the next section on, on, on sons, okay, uh, fathers and sons. And, and so, um, so I actually went and sat down with my son because of this. I, no one I was going to teach, I sat down that day, right after it, and we worked through things, and it really helped a lot. So actually, uh, it brought us close. The argument actually wound up bringing us closer, not further, um, by God's grace. So I, this wasn't because, but but it, I was impelled to do something I wouldn't have probably normally done if I wasn't in this teaching thing because it's it, it's really amazing. Like someone planned all this to happen, type thing. So uh, so um, this next section here is is children and parents, and um, and then bond servants and masters. And I I, I have this all together. Uh, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for it is right. Honor your mother and father, for it is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you uh, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then it talks about uh, bond servants or slaves and masters. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good you, uh, anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with them. So, um, I certainly didn't get softballs for today. <laughs> uh, I mean, God gave us softballs for kids as far as obedience goes, and I'm very thankful for that. But these, these, are, these are difficult passages. This actually is not as difficult, children and parents. Um, um, bond servants, slaves, and masters is, is fraught with things that we'll get, we'll get into. But um, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. I mean, so... so one of the things that came out of this, I was talking to my son. My son is now going over all these things with me as I teach through them. And so we sat down uh, last night and we talked about that. And I said, it, something is right. And, 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 and we, we do have a good relationship. And, and, and um, he said, yeah, yeah, I know. He says, the, the point of this is honor your mother and father um, is the first commandment with a promise. Uh, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, what he's saying here uh, to the children uh, is that uh, your parents really want your best. So this is the whole thing about submitting an authority. So he starts out with husbands and wives because that's a basic structure, the family, the nuclear family, uh, just uh, you know, very nuclear, husband and wife, and he, he says there's a submission process there. And then he goes and he says there's a submission thing with um uh, parents and children, and then he and then he talks about there's a submission process with your work situation, okay? Because that's what that's what slaves and masters are, uh, and we'll talk about that in more detail in a second. But but so but what he's saying is there's there is structure 
there's submission at multiple levels, okay? Everyone submits, everyone has something to do, and, and the reason it, it will go, that you may go well with you and live long in the land is because your parents want the best for you. Now, you might say, you don't know my parents, okay? No, but, but most parents, they, they may have crazy ways of thinking what's best for you, okay? And they may, they may be crazy, period. I mean, I, you know, I had, there were difficulties in my, very big difficulties in my family. But you know what? I, I was blessed in the fact that I really did know my parents always wanted the best for me. And I don't agree with it, but I never doubted that they wanted the best. At least, well, actually I did. But most of the time, I knew that they wanted the best. Um, it, it, sometimes I was thinking, yeah, but they have no idea what that best is. But what this is saying here is submit because your, your parents, they probably do know more. They, they're older than you. They know it. They, they've been through life. They know it. So he's telling you to submit. Um, and then he talks about fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. And it's interesting that he says that to, um, that first he instructs parents. And then he says, father. So one of the reasons is because the father's the leader. But the other thing, too, is a father tends to be harsher on discipline. And there can be in restrictions and stuff like that. And it, it's very easy to provoke a kid by an unnecessary restriction, okay? Or something that you just say, I said that, and they say, why? I, because I told you so. You know, it, it, so he's saying, don't exasperate your children. Try to help them understand why you have these rules and what's going on here. It's, it's so, so there's this is children submit to your parents because they really do. That's how God structured things. And even if they didn't want your best, God does, and he will use them to bring out your best. And that is something I did see in my life. Even when there were times when my parents weren't quite on board with the best, God still used things that way. And so then he's turning around to the parent who's in the superior uh, position as far as authority goes, not not equality, because we're equal. I mean, kids are equal to parents; they're not they're not the same, but they're human beings with worth. They're the same as a thing. And so he's saying, uh, fathers, don't exasperate your children. In other words, don't use don't abuse your authority to go ahead and tell them because I told you so. I, I want you in by nine o'clock tonight. Well, why? Because I told you so. That that's not that's not a you know. Well, son, it's at nine o'clock tonight because, um, you know, there's something that may be happening. You know, maybe it's a, a crisis time and you don't want your kid out on the street at nine or something like that. And you say, but, but dad, I'm 21 years old. You know, it's like, well, you know, so it brings up the question, do you always have to submit to your parents? And the answer is this, you always have to honor them and respect them. There's, there's no time limit on that. As long as you're in the house, I would say, yeah, you have to obey him. Your house, your rules type thing. But what he's telling the parents is don't make those rules arbitrarily, okay? And, and maybe as they get older, certainly if they're in the teens and in their early 20s, our son's here still going to college and living with us and stuff when we're talking about things, that when we explain why we, we don't want to have people over stuff like that, we explain it. So that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about... Um, He's, he's, he, now you say, well, that's just, that's just common sense, but it's not common sense, okay? It is common sense because we're all born with the idea that, that uh, husbands and wives should be working together and that, that children should be obeying their parents. We, we sense that, and yet it's not common sense because it doesn't happen a lot of times. I mean, it should, but it doesn't. And so 
he's given some instructions here, and then he, um, uh, and then I broke this down in more details here. And I put the Ten Commandments over here because I, you know, one thing um, I think a lot of people don't. Uh, They know the commandments, they know the order, they know other things. So, so I'm just going to let you know the first three are about God. The fourth one is the Sabbath. And the fifth one uh, is honor your mother and father, okay, which is the structure of all authority. That's why that fifth one there. Uh, honor your mother and father is the root of all authority in the family. But from this flows authority from government and from, um, you know, all authority structures, okay, that he's talking about. God has created ordered life, a structured life. So um, so now, the more difficult section um, on this, uh, and, and going back to, the, it's, I'm not saying it's easy to raise your kids and these things make a lot of sense, because I know it can be very hard to raise kids. Um, we, I really do feel we got, by God's grace, we got softballs on our kids. So, so we, it's not to say we didn't argue and we didn't fight, because I just told you we did, but but it wasn't bad. It wasn't it. But, but um, I know it can be hard. I know that it can be difficult to have a kid who's in a rebellious stage. Um, and I'm not, this teaching is not, is not depth, in depth enough to really talk about that. But there are resources out there for that. And you can contact me, our first church and stuff like that. And we can work with you on that. But um, I'm, I'm just saying that... that uh, Oh, this is easy. This hard. Sorry, it's not. That's not true. <laughs> it's it's easier to teach. It's just easier to teach. It's not easier to do necessarily. Um, so um, this section: uh, bond service, obey your earthly masters. So uh, with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. And masters do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and is yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality in him. Now, I, I want to talk to you about this, because it's, it's, um, uh, I, I ordered it, and we're going to talk about what it's talking about, but, but you cannot approach this subject without talking about slavery. Um, and I, the cognate to this is indeed employer-employee relationships. It's, it's, it's that, and it's government, and it's, it's just a structure, okay? It's who you submit to. But he chose, Paul chose, um, slaves and masters, okay? And, and you have heard it said, um, and many people have said that uh, in the Roman Empire, the slavery, it wasn't, the, 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 it wasn't as bad as it was in the South. I mean, you know, we, we have to, we're Americans, we have to deal with the, uh, the racial slavery legacy in the South. Um, I mean, some in the North, but mostly in the South. Um, but um, the, as it evolved and stuff like that, and that, that slavery was much worse in the South than the Roman slavery was. And I have to say, I'm just telling you this, I, I think in some ways that's wrong. Slavery is slavery. It's bad. It's wrong. It's, the Bible never can, condones slavery. It regulates it, okay? Here it's talking about some things in the Old Testament. It actually regulates what you could or couldn't do to a slave so you couldn't harm it and protect the slave, gave the slave actual rights. Um, it, but it was slavery. And, uh, and one of the problems with American slavery was it was racial slavery. Some of you hear it was racial slavery. 
Um, well, there's been racial slavery before. It's always bad. Racial, you know, any kind of slavery is bad. Racial slavery is especially bad. What was there were two things in, in our slavery history that make it really bad. Um, one is that we knew better. Okay, we knew better. We we had a Declaration of Independence that said all men are created equal. Okay, and yet um, we didn't practice that. We knew better. We were they we, they were the the product of the Enlightenment. Now they were deists, okay, but they were deists because the rights that they were talking about came from Scripture. They understood there was a God that endowed rights onto everybody, and then they went around and had slaves at the same time. So the hypocrisy was just was really. I mean, in the Roman times, it was feeling well. Yeah, there's different people got in different classes, and that's how it is, and that's the slavery. And maybe they felt there was a feeling that that were better than slaves, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't the same thing in the South, okay, uh, and, and with American slavery. It wasn't just that we knew better. It was also that we didn't think of uh, blacks as, slave, as people, okay? There was this, this feeling that they weren't really human. That's, that, and, and that's why I say we knew better. We knew better than that, and yet that's how we treated people. And so the, the horror was that, okay, and the horror... But the reason I say that, because I was talking with my son last night on this, um, and he said, Dad, I, the, the problem is, and, and, and the problem that, that um, slavery is over and stuff like that, but that that perception has not changed in people. There are a lot of people who feel that a certain race is, is inferior to another. Now, it's a lot of, not a lot of, uh, there, there's a significant portion of white people who believe that about black people. And there is maybe a smaller proportion of black people that believe that about white people. They just don't feel they're equal, okay? And so there's always, there's always going to be a desire for someone to feel that they're better than others. Same uh, Chinese or Asian and, and, and Westerner. Or it can be a, but this is wrong. It's just wrong in the gospel, okay? And so, so when you're talking about this and you come in here and, and you see this passage, and this passage, the other thing about this passage is, is we knew better, we didn't consider them human. And when I say we, I'm saying Southern slavery things, and not me personally, but, but we share in that legacy is what I'm saying. That was read, and this was ignored, okay? And, and, and it was just wrong. It was, it was you know, um, this was for, um, this is for, the recipient to get, not for someone to push on someone else. Same thing with the husband-wife thing and the, and the father's children. There is some kind of, of transference there, but, but not in the way it was done in the South. In the South, it was done to condone um, harshness and ownership of someone. And, and Paul was very clear as he taught in, in the New Testament that we are, we are free in the Lord. Okay? I will say this. Paul never taught against slavery, okay? And some people say that's awful. The New Testament condones slavery. Da, 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 da. It, it didn't, okay? What it did is it had, it had bigger game in view. It had the equality of mankind in view. And to do that, he laid the foundation here. And that's why American slavery was so awful, because it was done by Westerners who had been enlightened by the gospel and who knew the gospel and who proclaimed the gospel, even in their independence document, and then went around and did something else. So, so that's the issue here. So, so I'm just saying 
this still applies to uh, employers and employees, okay? And, and uh, I'm not going to deal with this as a slave. I'm going to deal with this as an employer-employee uh, or any other authority structure, okay? Uh, you could say this, could, this would apply to authority in a, in a church, too, not, not that the um, pastor or slave masters, but, but uh, you don't know what goes... No, <laughs> no I... I uh, Jose's back there chuckling and thinking, no, Jose would never whip me. <laughs> so, uh, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, uh, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye services, people pleasers. Now, um, again, I, and I probably, so one of the things it does say uh, in Ephesians, no coarse joke, and so I, I, please pardon my, my, my somewhat coarse joke on that last end. So, um, so, this is a problem with us all the time, all of our life, in every relationship, not just in, in um, ones where there is a master and servant, okay? Um, we tend to have two standards. If you don't think you have two standards, when you're driving down the road and you see a policeman, what do you do? All right, most people... Uh, not most, but a lot of people, and I should not say most at all, but I, I know that I do. I hit my brake. Regardless of whether I'm speeding or not, I just hit my brake, because I normally am speeding, unfortunately. This is a problem. So we, we have a standard when people look at us and people when they don't, okay? And I need to be better on this area in my driving. But, but, but it's illustrative of the fact of when you're at work, do you just do enough to get by? Do you do enough so that your boss thinks you're a great worker? I mean, not just to get by. So there's a lot of people that, that do much, and the boss thinks they're great, and they still are just doing it for his view, not for God's view. So, so this is the truth. If you do the work for your boss, you get the reward from your boss. If you do the work for God, because God has told you to do it, the reward comes from God. And it's an eternal reward, and it's a great reward. But if you do it for your boss, you get your reward from your boss. Don't expect it from God, okay? But God has said, do it by, do it as you would Christ. Do it, because he knows this. If we submit to the structures that God has created and let happen, not that all structures are good and stay good, but that we do it because we trust God will bring good out of it, not even if it's bad, that God can bring good out of it. And that, and we do it because we want to serve God and we make the, we do the best we can at our job because we want our employer to succeed and we want society to prosper with what we're doing or making and we want, then the reward comes from God and people see the difference in the life of a believer. So, so a master might become a believer because he sees this guy really, and I tell you this, you can never, there's no time, you cannot be sure that no one else's eye is on you, Okay. So, um, but, but some people are pretty good about that. And they really know how to do the eye pleaser thing. And, and what he's saying here is don't do it. Don't, don't play that game. Um, and then he says, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is bond servant or free. So there's a promise here. There's a promise that God will take our work and make it useful so we want to matter. We want to make a difference. We want to do things useful. 
And God has promised in, in Ephesians 2, um, uh, 2.10, Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do God, good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to do. But there are things that we do, and they make a difference, okay? Well, he prepared them beforehand for us to do. Is he just, isn't this just, no. In some ways, and this is why we don't understand eternity and time, there's something that happens here in our time-space matrix that makes a difference, that God wants us to do it. And by doing this, it makes a difference. It may save someone's life. I don't know, but God says there's a difference there. Um, and then he says, masters, do the same to them. Stop your threatening, because we know it's, it's always, it's always the head, the, the, the master, uh, a master servant is the easier, easiest terms for me to use. So it's always a, uh, temptation as a master to abuse the servant. It's, it's going to happen, because you're on top, and the will wants what the will wants. And so, but he's saying, no, no, no. The, the will wants what the will wants is not right. The will should want what God wants. And so don't, don't be threatening your servant to get what you want, okay? And don't be threatening him to get what you think God wants. You know, don't be threatening. Help him under, you know, um, you know, again, the reasoning type thing and the discussion. Now, what do you do if your child isn't obeying or your the master servant obeying? Well, there are discipline issues there, and, and, and again, that's beyond the scope of what we're doing here. But even those discipline issues need to be um, corrective, not punitive type thing. And so, um, you know, and, uh, and, and, and so that's what he's talking about here in this, this uh, structure of authority. God creates authority so there'd be structure and order in the world. Uh, I'm going to start teaching on Genesis uh, next week. I, we have another lesson here to finish up um, Ephesians. Um, but uh, after that, I'll start Genesis. And one of the things we'll see in Genesis is, is before there was a structure, before there was government and stuff, mankind was unable to exist as it was. Okay, we're going to talk about Genesis before the flood um, because government was instituted right after the flood. And we'll talk about all those things. But structure is what God... A structure and authority uh, is what God used to keep things in place till Christ could come and bring salvation to all. Structure and authority um, promotes good, not evil. Now, even bad structures are helpful. Okay, I'm not saying, but I'm not saying it's good that bad structures are good. I'm just saying they can be helpful in doing things. Um, but um, we'll go into that in more details next week, right? Right here, though, we're saying God is, in your life, God has placed you in submission to somebody, okay? Maybe not all the time, maybe not in every case. By the way, so, so uh, uh, husbands and wives, it, it is, and I should have made this more explicit, it does not say women submit to men, okay? That's, that's not on the books anywhere, okay? So, so but there's a time in a husband and wife situation where where a wife's submitting. Okay, there's a time when children are submitting to parents. There's a time when um, um, servants are submitting to masters. And you're saying, well, what about the man? He don't ever have to submit. And I said, well, almost all of them have jobs and they have to submit. And if they don't have to submit, then there's a the government, and you have to submit in the government. And it's like, well, what if you're head of the government? Well, then in our government, and in most actually, then. 
the, the government has, the head of the government in some way submits to the will of the people. And that's where it goes back to submit one another out of reverence to Christ. So, so if the governor, if the head governor does not, does keep on the abuse, then a revolution occurs type thing. So, um, sometimes it was more peaceful. I think in England, uh, King Richard was evil and they, uh, the rebellion was the uh, coming of the Magna Carta, the great charter that granted rights to the people and, and, and was instituted a constitutional monarchy. So, so who does the head guy submit to, the, the king or whatever? He submits to God. And you say, well, yeah, it's a sort of fuzzy concept, but it's a true concept. I, fuzzy, I do what you want with it, but, but, um, but everyone submits. Everyone submits, and no one wants to submit because by its very nature, submission involves putting aside your will for someone else's will. That's submission. And the, the roots of sin sink deep into us, and that is the area that causes a lot of problems. And that is why this part of Ephesians spends time teaching about it, okay? Because it is a big issue. It is a problem that causes untold grief in our lives. And Paul's trying to set it straight, trying to help us with the Spirit to live a different life. Uh, um, empowered by Christ. And um, so let us close in prayer. Lord, I, I just thank you for the time we have. Thank you for watching over us. Um, thank you for your word. Um, I just think of the person who was, who was talking to who just didn't understand the Bible. And, and uh, your word is out there. It actually is easy to understand. Many people don't crack it open. But, but, even when we do, we can't understand it without your spirit. And so we pray your spirit would dwell with us and encourage us and, and help us to be able to talk to others about what's in there through your spirit, that they too can come to know you and love you more and more. We just thank you for your great love to us. Pray in your name, Jesus.